here we are. Another Friday. Good Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom Aleichem. And happy Friday. Goyim. It's this. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Let's get right in. We're going to get deep. Ah, oh, I can't wait. This is great. Time to dump a bunch of input on y'all so I don't do it to annoy other people. Okay, gang, here we go. Gonna kick it off with some stuff I, again, absorbed on TikTok while I was bored. Now, before we start, I'll remind y'all. I saw a thing once, and I even said it on this podcast. Inputting. And that's what I do. When I learn something and it blows my mind, I want to tell other people. Again, my ego, my self-talk needs to share that joy. I want other people to feel joy. Uh, I don't know. It's probably a deeper thing, too. Maybe I I don't know. Maybe I want to... Maybe I want them to be fascinated and find me fascinating because I didn't find myself fascinating. I don't know. Maybe it's something deep. Maybe I'm looking too deep into it. I just want to spread the joy because it's fun when I learn this stuff. And I want other people to be as mind-blown as me because I want them to feel what I feel. So, let's get into it. And that is why I make this podcast, by the way. is like, literally, I didn't want to be annoying. I, I read that once and I was like, am I annoying to people and they just don't tell me? Anyways, and here I am. I guess it's just talk for 20 minutes about whatever I want, which not everyone gets to do, which is kind of sad. They just sit there quiet and bottle. Folks, this was a really cool concept, and it's in regards to contentment versus desire and pushing for more, and it's a debate. Should we just be content and accept everything, or should we always push, 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 push so we can be fulfilled? Well, this guy had a cool take on it. He says, what about seeking a journey that you are content with? Boom. That sums it up in a nutshell. Find a journey you're content with. So you can be content and be pushing for more. Contentment, it just means you aren't going to accept changes and process-related stuff. And by the way, when I say that, I mean like someone who is fully content, like they don't want any change. They are the ones who aren't going to accept change and process stuff. However, get this, life is always changing. Energy is always moving. For someone to be content, and then something changes in their life, and they're like, oh, I'm not content anymore because I liked my old life. That was a mindset that set them up for failure. Okay? So contentment in itself can lead to a lack of contentment, which is very paradoxical. However, pushing for more is also extremely far from presence, aka it's extremely far from peace. Now, this is where being content with the process that you've chosen. Remember, this is an autonomous decision. You've chosen the process you want, so then you're content with that process. I think that's a great balance. And balance has always been a life law to myself. Moving on, this story, I've heard it before, and you guys probably have too. It's incredible. Flea jumping. So you put fleas in a jar for three days, and they don't jump any higher than the height of that jar. Neither will their offspring when they have babies. What a powerful message. And we're no different, people. We have a self-image ceiling. Maxwell Maltz in Psycho-Cybernetics discusses this concept of the self-image ceiling. Go back to my book summary if you want to hear all about that. It's in this podcast series. But before I digress, everyone's got a self-image ceiling. Even the most successful people on the planet, these people who have been to the moon and run for politics and everything, they have a self-image ceiling. There is something that they don't think they can do. No different than somebody down at the very bottom who could easily go and make one hell of a life for themselves. They also have self-doubts and self-image ceilings. We all have it. 
and it's constantly moving. That's the thing. Things happen in our lives that shift this self-image ceiling up and down. One day you might believe you can reach for the stars, and the next you feel like shit. And folks, uh, that's what that reminded me of. Is these fleas who can jump higher than the jar? They learn uh, quite quickly that they cannot jump out of the jar, so they stop practicing and they lose the ability to do so. No different than metaphorically, we believe because somebody's made us believe, or not somebody, but even an environment, a, an infrastructure, a fabric of society, a a, um, a narrative. These things tell us that we, you know, can't do something. Like I don't think I can be president of the U.S. or prime minister of Canada. I personally don't believe that. And that right there is the epitome of the self-image ceiling. And uh, I, like the flea, will never do that. I, I literally will never do that because I don't believe it. And it's not a desire. I saw this thing on Instagram. And it was Bruce Lee, a quote from Bruce Lee saying, Don't say negative things about yourself, even if it's a joke. Your body can tell. Words are spells on your mind. That's why they call it spelling. That is extremely accurate. Uh, it, it, it literally is like spells. Uh, Words are extremely powerful. We start to believe them. What we believe changes our attitude. What our what changes our attitude changes our feelings. Our feelings change our behavior. Our behavior change outcomes. So really, your belief, which again you get beliefs through information, six sensory information. Yes, six senses, not five. Six sense being self-talk. The ego is a sense. Six sensory information changes your beliefs. And when he says that words, like the negative things cast spells that's literally like harry potter they cast a spell and the person does something words will do that it will literally make you do things <laughs> and those things have consequences and those things end up being feedback loops to your self-talk and then your self-talk once again continues following the trend so folks i was reading uh more of how i built this by guy Raz, which actually i did finish some really actually some really cool stuff we'll get to later about it but tylenol was placed with a lethal drug in the 80s, right? And it caused the death of seven people. So news spread and the profits went from 16% to minus 80. So this looked like the end of a huge company. But what happened next was historic and it actually gives a good lesson, which is Tylenol changed the game, being the first company to recall product. They then changed packaging to comfort consumers. Nobody was recalling stuff at the time. It, it seems stupid. Who would pull something off the shelf that made money? And this changed the game. One sec. Okay, sorry. Just got a message there. This changed the game because, and I'll paraphrase a TED talk called Why We Know Nothing. Recalls are now a necessity in commercial business. That TED talk, uh, he talks about how we only know things to be true or, or things that work after it's been done. Not before it's been done, after. And so this guy says, we actually don't know anything. We only know, we only know what's come out from the rubble, the rubble as true. Um, so for example, right now you may want to make a decision, but nobody you personally know has done it. Therefore your ego, your self-talk says it's illogical. I'm here to say, use logic, weigh out the worst case scenario versus best case scenario. For all you know, after you make the big decision, it will have seemed like a no-brainer. No different than recalls today, and that it's a no-brainer. People say, oh, of course I'd recall something if it's uh, damaged, if it's potentially gonna get us sued and, and whatever. It's a no-brainer, but these are things that no one was doing until someone used their logic and weighed out pros and cons. 
Look at that. Extrapolate that metaphor. All right, it's time for for a one-liner. I want you all to remember that it's your parents' first time living as well. Let that sink in. It is their first time living on Earth. They are learning too. They make mistakes. They don't... Every time that you turn a new age, every time a new conversation comes up, it's the first time they're having to experience that with you. Just let that sink in. And just think about it now. It's your first time living too, so give yourself a break. Anyways, moving on. Angry, sad, and frustrated people are often lonely in regards to how they feel. Sometimes they want others to feel it with them so they can project these feelings as you know, packaged up through words. Because again, they can't truly articulate. They have to try to use words to come up with these feelings. And I love that, that they're going, they feel lonely. They don't want to be the only one to feel this shitty feeling. They're going to drag some people, not everyone, some. They'll drag people in. Actually, I know personally, um, actually my brother, so I'll just say it. My brother does this. He'll yell. He'll raise his voice because he wants other people to yell so that everyone's confused and yelling. And it, again, makes him more comfortable. It's familiar because God forbid he was the only one erratic or the only one upset about something that people didn't think was worthy of um, dismay. And I made notes here saying that it's it's on the caregiver who didn't teach this person to articulate their emotions properly. Hence, and, and they have to make other people feel uh, as crappy as them. It's really tribalism if you think about it. As humans, we want other people to be like us or vice versa. We want to be like other people because that's what's kept us alive and our brain is still a lizard monkey brain <laughs> just wants to live live to see another sunset but again disclaiming that not everyone projects feelings to manipulate others right actually there's a lot of people that who they're sad angry and they know how painful it is and they've been taught by caregivers to never make other people upset or feel bad therefore they fake a smile and bottle it up and that causes its own issues regarding relationships um, just different issues than the projector, but still issues. You know, I hope that makes sense. Oh, my TikTok lately has been getting kind of dark because of things like this. Freedom is not secured by fulfilling men's desires, but by removing them. And I actually agree, you know, partially, because it also touches on the fact that if people disagree, they're really fighting the death of their ego and they disagree with the statement. So if, you're, if you forgot already, it's freedom's not secured by fulfilling people's desires, but by removing their desires. And I love it. Like, you are free when you remove your desires. To want is to suffer, according to Buddhism. And for people who are like, no, that's stupid. Like, why would I remove desires? No, we should have something to strive for. Again, they are literally defending their self-talk. Their self-talk feels threatened because when your self-talk doesn't know something, there's something unknown. The unknown resembles death remember this because we don't know what is on the other side of death we don't no one does therefore anytime we don't know something it literally reminds our self-talk of death so we have to seek understanding that is literally in the four agreements they talk about this and actually his book the fifth agreement discusses this this is the whole book the fifth agreement is all about this concept of we agree to words beliefs definitions labels we agree to it so we seek meaning when in reality we don't know anything but our ego and uh, identity uh, sorry and, and self-talk hijacks and says no no we need to hold on to it or, or we're gonna die and uh, again it's self-sabotage 
most of the time, actually, when people disagree with philosophy, that is a prime case of um, deflection, a prime case of denial, and people who are just trying to validate their self-talk by disagreeing. It's almost actually a cry for help. Like when someone says, "Like no, that's silly. There's no way. Uh, there's no way that your soul is different than your meat suit." Like that's your. Be- if they start disagreeing, they're really it's code. In my opinion, it's code for I don't know what's on the other side and I'm scared and I just want you to validate me and say that everything will be okay and that you know that's what they're trying to say is because by disagreeing they want you deep down they want you to be like oh actually you're right yeah you're right no just kidding um it's all daisies and rainbows and you're right then there there you go is happy familiarity is powerful too remember that so things that are familiar keep us feeling safe and that's again safety it's, it's survival everything literally comes down to our will to live now it's a, it's a bit of a paradox because for me to say that this is such an accurate quote quote strip all desires right remove them so you have freedom and peace well that actually is not keeping me free like like i'll try to explain this better so by saying things are right like to say there's a correct thing like for me to say this is true is my ego once again trying to resist death this is philosophy this i don't know if freedom comes from removing desires it helps me cope right simple as that but i don't know and that unknown it's okay like i mean my self-talk is like no 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 we can't not know something and it's okay and that's where i i just observe the self-talk it's like now i step back i'm the observer i let it just keep rambling so I try not to cling to this quote. I try not to cling to anything that's dogmatic or saying this is the way. Okay, moving on. This is pretty inspiring. Your health is a reflection of your habits. Finances are a reflection of your habits. Relationships are a reflection of your habits. Emotions, coping, your job, where you are right now. It's all because of your habits. Take ownership right now. Your habits dictate everything. Moving on. Let's remember that your brain's always looking for confirmation bias, right? We can leverage this, people. If you think really positively, think proactively in a growth mindset, you'll seek out evidence to support that bias. That bias being a healthy mindset. You will seek out things to prove that the healthy brain. Um, let's look. think of an example. If I'm always thinking about how lucky I am and how grateful I am for all the things I have, my needs are met. Well, guess what? I'm going to walk around. I'm going to see that I got fresh water, a shower, food, a job, you know, phone to call people i love people that love me like you know what i mean you're gonna go around and see these things when you have it. and that's really the epitome in a nutshell i can't say it any better oh this is cool there's this trend on tiktok it's like tell me what the biggest scam ever is no one knows it or something and this person said time and this is interesting they say time's an illusion man made time to seek understanding and this is why so she said, you know the page flipper picture books? Those picture books, you flip the page and it all, each photo makes a moving cartoon. She said, notice how the single event unfolding in that story is compiled of hundreds of separate images. So if that one event is a person throwing a ball and it takes two seconds to make it, you flip the pages. Well, hundreds of separate images make up that single event that we see as a single event. So all those pictures, they already exist, correct? When we put them together, it creates a dynamic story. So this is exactly how we see time, apparently. I can't grasp reality, right? As a human, I cannot grasp reality because 
of our silly limited awareness, right? We live in three dimensions or four dimensions, whatever you want to call it. And we only have so many senses. <laughs> well, because we're limited, I can only grasp metaphorically one picture at a time in this picture book. All of life's moments, theoretically, have been laid out already. Like the picture book, all the photos have already been laid out, but when we flip through, it looks like all just one thing's happening in that in, at that time. And my brain can only go one... So this is... Let's flip back to... Um, how I can't perceive each individual photo metaphorically. Like that's not how our time works in this dimension. We don't freeze time. Things are dynamic. So I can't perceive the one single sliver of time at a time. I can't stay in that time frame. It's not like I can go to each page and look at it. Like, you know, with a picture book, you can do that. The flipper books, you can go to each one and look at it and then you can flip and go to look at that one. Whereas the way we live our lives is constantly moving. Time is constantly moving, never frozen. So we can't actually... That dimension doesn't exist to just freeze time and look at each metaphorical picture of the picture book. And so I'll say that again is I, I can't, I can't, I can only go one frame at a time. Um, I, sorry, the, sorry, I meant to say the, uh, the entire story can't be told on one page of that picture book. This is the same as our lives. Now there's most likely timeless beings with different dimensions with polar opposite belief systems in the universe and completely separate human constructs to us. So, and, and the gist of this, I'll explain this in one sentence. Because of how we grasp time, we have to flip through the book all at once. Whereas, really, there are separate pages in our life. There, time is not like that. We can go moment to moment. Things have already happened, but we can't flip to that future page. We have to flip the whole book. And, yeah, that's why, that's how it is. And I would like to think that's what presence is, is trying to be aware of that one page in the book, you know, being aware of a single moment in our dynamic life. But anyways, that was, I know that was a mouthful. I, I thought it was pretty cool because I never thought of it like a picture book. It's true. Like the flipper books. Oh, I saw a really cool video the other day on, it's called the info gap. The info gap, it's people not knowing about Alibaba and they buy on Shopify and that makes someone more money. And then people taking videos from one country and sharing them to another country because they're not viral there and it makes them money. That's an info gap. Taking things from developed countries and injecting them into developing countries or uh, an undeveloped country. And then that makes the person money because there's an info gap there. Urban areas moving to suburban areas because those suburban areas have an info gap. They know the accessibility to the business. That's That makes someone money. This occurs all the time. And finding the info gaps in this world is where the money is made. So see an info gap, this guy says. See it and act on it. Now, the guy in the video, he thinks the world's largest info gap for money to be made is actually in China. China runs all its own versions of the world's biggest social media platforms. So for this reason, they miss a lot of what we have to offer and therefore will pay for it and vice versa. This was a cool part in how I built this by Guy Raz. The Netflix CEO, he said, if something goes wrong, I don't try to fix the problem. I start working on it so that it never happens again. I like that. Find the catalyst, eliminate the catalyst to the problem. That's way better and more uh, has more utility than just constantly putting the same fire out. I really like this. It just reminds me to think of future prevention. We should all be preventing instead of just constantly putting out fires. 
uh, take care of future me and make things better for future me down the road. Totally would actually see this as a place of lack and that we don't need to fix a problem down the road to be at peace. We've been taught to stress over the problem is what Tolly would say and that you have to accept. Now, if you really want to fix the problem, do it, but just be an observer of your subconscious programming. That's what Tolly would say is that it just so happens this meat suit with this subconscious programming from your past wants to prevent and wants to run a company and wants more. And then you can be aware of that subconscious programming. And in the end, fate is fate. So if, if you just flip 180 degrees and say, oh, I'm selling the company, I'm not fixing any problems, I'm accepting everything, well, then you have to be, that's your subconscious programming, you, and that's out of your control. And it just so happened that you flipped 180, but you have to be aware of that, Tolly would say. Yeah, you're, the, you're the observer, literally. For peace, if you want peace in your life, you become the observer. Do not be the thinker. Do not identify with your body or with anything, actually. Just strip identity. <laughs> strip that identity folks and you're happy i know that sounds like an oxymoron because so many people's identities make them happy but seriously clinging to an identity can poo, you can fall really hard be careful we're at the 20 minute mark i gotta go i want to work out a little bit before i leave this is the best thing about working at a gym is literally i can just lift something whenever i want it's so convenient again another thing to be grateful for also, I didn't feel I explained that picture book thing, right? I feel like I rambled a lot, but I hope you guys understand. Our life is a moving picture book where in reality, time, that's the scam part, is time isn't like that. Time can be paused in other dimensions and have slivers like each picture. Anyways, I should have just explained it like that the first time. Folks, thanks for listening. Take care. I love you all. Good Shabbos.